you hear so much less from your manager in remote work, right? You never sit next to them and hear what their conversation is accidentally from their boss or what's bugging them or what's frustrating for them. So also making sure you don't skip those one-on-one type meetings and just take an opportunity to unload as the coach, but for both parties, unload a little, not unnecessary, but you have to force things out of your mouth because you are trying to give more transparency, to give more context, to explain why you took a decision that maybe doesn't involve this person at all, but let me run through something I'm thinking about with you right now. And let me just get your feedback. Not because I think you're going to have the answer, but because it's good for me to show you my thinking. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order values first now at your favorite independent bookstore, or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to McKenna Sweezy. She's a dynamic and pragmatic author, speaker, and coach in the field of virtual leadership. Her book, How to Win Friends and Influence People Over Zoom, is coming out September from Career Press. With years of global and inherently virtual leadership under her belt, McKenna has spent countless hours crafting her management skills to be as effective in person as from 6,000 miles away and wants to share that information with you. Her career has spanned successful startups like Taboola, where she spent five years and which IPO'd in 2021, and to the venerated Financial Times, where she served as head of global marketing. And now again, she's the VP of marketing at an early stage startup. This has given her insight into how different types of companies function and how those nuances affect people doing their best work remotely. 
Lots of people talk about how you should upskill for remote teams, but very few are as dedicated to creating day-to-day frameworks that can make remote work more effective as McKenna. Given her experience, these ideas aren't theoretical. This is for real people with real colleagues and managers that need to communicate and collaborate. I loved my conversation with McKenna. We talked about her new book. We talked about the mistakes that people are making within digital communications and how to work most effectively in an asynchronous environment. We also talked about how to communicate, motivate, and coach your team effectively. Let's get started. I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am delighted to be here. Well, before we get going, because I want to pick your brain on so many things, before we get going, can you tell us more about yourself? Can you tell us your story? Absolutely. So uh, like many of us, I have had a, a series of jobs in my life and I was living in London and a lot of the work that I was doing was international and thus inherently virtual. So I've been kind of a virtual and remote manager, colleague, human being well before the pandemic um, and saw as many of us see when we're going through our careers, things that went well, things that could have gone better and sort of things I would have done differently, you know, particularly connecting with people in different offices who you were only seeing whatever, once a year, twice a year. Uh, And then the pandemic hit as we're all very aware. And this idea for the book that had been percolating inside me, I was like, I've got to write this stuff down because I've been really thinking about it. And and I coalesced around this idea of digital empathy. So we are all born with some amount of innate empathy skills and, you know, you can upgrade that if you want it and how, so I define empathy as the ability to connect with another person and understand what it is that they're feeling and thinking. And, you know, for me, it's really cognitive empathy, not am I having the same emotions as you are, but am I reading them correctly? Am I seeing that anger on your face? And that's really much harder over Zoom, you know, particularly if your camera's off, I'm definitely not seeing it. So am I getting it from the way you are phrasing your emails? Am I seeing it in the way you comment on my document when we're working together? You know, how am I grasping your emotions and then reacting to them? And again, back to cognitive empathy, not to change how you are, or or even maybe your feelings are totally rational and valid and I can't fix them, but I need to know they're there, particularly if I'm your manager or you're my manager. But for all colleagues, we want to do the best work we can together. So coalesced around this idea of digital empathy and and the different ways that we can be cognizant of when this comes up and practice being better at it. Uh, And then ways that we can build our teamwork so that you have more experiences with each other to have more to draw on. It's easier to read people's emotions the more emotions you've seen them have. Um, So anyways, my book is called How to Win Friends and Manage Remotely. It's coming out in September 2022. Maybe someone's listening to this way in the future in 2025. Oh, it was ages ago. But hopefully all still relevant. I really kind of wrote it on the assumption that we'd be moving to this kind of hybrid world and we would be seeing each other in person again, but that the vast majority of work for many corporate workers was going to still happen over Zoom. So yeah, that's me. Thank you so much for um, bringing us back to to why you wrote this (laughs) and this idea I love how you described it as, you know, these are things that you've been doing for years and years, but everybody else was kind of forced into some of this new ways of working, 
the new normal, all the cliches that we've been talking about, <laughs> right? That you're probably sick of hearing. It's not going away. Even if some leaders are saying, oh, it's back to where it was. We're finally back to pre-pandemic. There's, let's just put that to bed. There is no pre-pandemic anymore. We're not reliving 2019 ever again. Whether you're in an office and that's where you mostly spend your time or you're hybrid or you're fully remote, you're going to be meeting with people on Zoom or pick the platform moving forward no matter what, right? Exactly. And I think the pandemic has forced us, again, back to people who are fully back in the office. There's a change in the way we use tools, use them with external suppliers, et cetera. I think we have moved towards more understanding of asynchronous tools, you know, project management software, like those things, pandemic accelerated them, but we were going in that direction anyways. But I don't know that anyone else wrote a management tome on how passive aggressive comments come out on JIRA. Uh, or Asana or Monday.com or pick your poison on product project management tools. But having worked in a lot of project management tools myself, I people are very passive, not all people, but people just like they can be passive aggressive in the office can be passive aggressive when assigning you a task on Asana. So, you know, it was sort of that it's exactly that. Like it doesn't matter. The pandemic accelerated things that were happening, but we are now working in this much more virtual, less human to human, let's sit in a meeting face-to-face corporate environment. Yeah. And I love that you started to describe, you know, some of the behaviors that are not so great, kind of the passive aggressive comments or, you know, those kinds of things. What other mistakes are you seeing that are, you know, are lacking that empathy right now? Yeah. I think for me, the, the biggest challenge is that we have these tools and every corporate environment has the tools that they're using. And They are now the office if you're remote or mostly remote. And so there is no water cooler environment. There's no like idea of how a culture is built that you see in people's behaviors. What time they show up? Is it an office where people swear or where they dress really casual? These sort of obvious indicators of the of the culture. And so now culture only happens on these virtual platforms. And so I think the the biggest mistake is really not acknowledging that and saying, what kind of culture are we? What do we use Slack for? Do we use it in place of email? Then let's put some rules in place and say, this is how long it should take you to respond or not respond. Because otherwise, you have a tool like Slack. It's really quite new um, in the grand scheme of being a human being. And I've been in organizations where it was everything and they basically have replaced it with email. And other places where it's really where people are just sending memes around. And probably there's people in both of those organizations that are a little confused and saying, what, what is this? Why is this happening? And why is this better? So I think for every organization to think, what tools are we using? And what is the way we communicate say about who we want to be? Because making culture work virtually is much, much harder. And it wasn't easy in the office anyway. So I think that's probably the biggest mistake. I think that also trickles down to you know, every choice you make is being read by your colleagues and not acknowledging that because it can feel like a distant avatar. You know, you're 2D, you're not in the room with me. You are in some ways less of a real person to me. And that can lead to more robotic responses, things that maybe were absolutely not intended to be passive aggressive, but they're quick and the person is not concerned with the other person. Maybe they've never met in real life. So really remembering what it matters, how your 
commentary or whatever, your communications, it matters how they land. It matters how they're received. It's not just the content of what you're sending, which when you're sending an email quickly, you can forget that so easily. It's so true. You just hit on so many different things. I love your descriptor of, you know, Slack could mean completely different things, like in setting rules around it. And I've been in many organizations, as many other people have when, oh, now we're going to use Teams and it's going to solve all of our problems, right? And we're not going to send as many emails because it's going to sit on this channel. But then we never really put rules or, or guidelines around or we're even measuring it, right? Are there less emails because we're using this? <laughs> you know, I worked in one company and a small company and the CEO was like, don't put anything in Slack that you want me to see because the feed, and this is, you know, something I think is pretty unacknowledged and Slack is amazing, has so many great qualities, but like we know that social media feeds can be bad for your mental health, right? They just are a stream of constant dopamine hitting information. What is Slack, if not that, in an office where it's really hopping and there's tons of memes and then there's also professional information and it's kind of hard to scroll back up and to get to the key piece of information. But you have to ask yourself, if you have a company, a small company where the CEO says, if you want to tell me something, don't put it in Slack. Why do you have Slack? Which maybe there is a good reason, but you should probably spell that out. What kind of communications, if it can't be used for this kind of communication, what kind of communication can we use it for? So, you know, I think that applies to all the ways that we work. My other big uh, bugbear is document commenting. I think this is another one that in a corporate environment, I share my slides with you, you comment back, uh, and there's so much opportunity for that to go wrong, for people to make assumptions uh, and say, well, I wish you'd done it this way instead of, you know, is my comment materially helpful for turning over the best work product that we're going to see? And what I often see is people putting things down where they're like, well, you didn't cover X, Y, Z. And X, Y, Z is on the next slide. And it just, everyone can see that. It's a very public commentary on the person's work. And when you're thinking about critiquing other people's work in public, that's something you should do very carefully. Uh, and it really depends on your relationship to the person, your seniority in the organization, your skill. And think before you comment, I think, is, is another one of my big things. And, you know, may, really assuming the best out of a presentation. And, and am I actually helping? You know, people are always, oh, you missed a comma there. You know, maybe just put the comma in. If, if the comma is like very, if it's not an Oxford comma and there's no debate, you know what? Just drop it in. Um, that might not be acceptable in some organizations. That might be passive aggressive in and of itself. Anyways, these are all things that, you know, teams can sit down and say, I don't want you to do that, or I do want you to do that. And that's how we should work together because that is how people work together. It's asynchronous, you know, that I'm making it, then you're checking it, and then we're sending it off. So it's just a very different way. And I think we need new rules and new expectations to, to meet that. Another thing that I've seen in organizations that I've worked with and people that I coach, especially when we're moving more to asynchronous work, it feels like they're in those documents and they never know when to move forward. Like when has a decision been made? Mm -hmm. Has, you know, when is the feedback over? Do, is this consensus? If you read it and gave me some comments or like, how do we move on? So I've seen that as well. Has that been something that you've seen in your work too? Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's another example and it's a good example also in meetings that you kind of need roles and explanations of, and this is not a feature I've seen in uh, like, let's say Google docs, maybe it should be, why are you be invi being invited to comment? 
and where do you fall? I'm sure you've seen a racy chart, responsible, accountable, and that you you kind of need that for all of these projects just to say who's the person and what's the deadline that we're going to say, we are done, let's move on. And why are you being invited to look at this? Are you being invited because you're so good at grammar and we just want you as a last pass? Or are you being invited because you're the boss and it's your absolute sign off? Is this an appropriate presentation for the client? And, you know, for some managers, there's they have to be reminded that they are not then the grammar person. Maybe they should be focusing on the top level and, and everyone should know their role. So I think that that ability to, to say why people, and this is also true of meetings, virtual meetings, explaining why people are invited for sign off, the goal of the meeting. What are we going to walk out of this meeting with? You know, it's, it's actually not something I really thought about before, but also true of documents. We're going to turn this over at 12 p.m. tomorrow. Susan and Sarah, you are the final say. Please, can you have your comments to me by 11 a.m., whatever it is. Um, so yeah, definitely. And it's that communication. You cannot do asynchronous work without an, really an excess of communication. The world is getting more and more complex, anabit chaotic, pandemic, social unrest, recession, hybrid workforce, you name it, it is here. And it's hard to navigate home and work for yourself and for your team. And what about time for you? It seems non-existent. A recent podcast listener and reader told me the following. This has been a light bulb moment, knowing my values and then identifying boundaries to protect my values and building systems to support those boundaries. It's been incredible. When I've broken one of those boundaries, remembering my values has kept me focused. In Values First, this book can give you the tools to build those boundaries, but more importantly, how to keep them with a proven framework to identify what matters most to you and the motivation to build a sustainable plan. Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want is now available wherever books are sold. Go to thecatchgroup.com slash values first to learn more and stay connected. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Yeah, and I love the idea of it's how you invite feedback. It's, hey, hey this is your role. Hey, this is the this is what it is. I think sometimes when, you know, pre-pandemic or just people don't want to, they, they want to move their agenda along. And sometimes it's a bit sneaky. They might say, oh, hey, I sent that to you, right? Yeah. And, uh, didn't hear anything back. So we just kind of moved on. Here, you have to be more intentional. And I think it benefits everyone because you're giving them clear, if you're doing it right, hopefully you're giving them clear kind of rules and expectations on some of this asynchronous work. Otherwise, it might end up being more work for us later. And I think actually that's one of the hidden benefits. A lot of these things require more prep. So, you know, saying who's seeing the document when and what time they need to or what day they need to do things by saying everyone who's coming to a meeting, what their role or expectation is. It's a ton of work, but it also means that you're not going to schedule meetings where you're too lazy to do that because it's just not that important. And it should lead to some work just falling off, which some work doesn't need to be done. There is, it prioritizes you. Am I willing to put in this effort to do the asynchronous level of lift of knowledge distribution? And then we'll see which projects merit it and, and, and what gets the time and the uh, inclination. That only works, obviously, if you have companies where the goals are set really clearly and everyone knows what they're working towards. Um, but that's, you know, 
a whole nother set can of worms. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about kind of getting work done and sort of communicating that way. How can we get better at motivating within this digital landscape through empathy? So I think it depends on the person. And I I say this like as a manager um, in this instance, but it extrapolates that people want to be recognized, as you are well aware, in different ways. And for me, it's easiest in an organization that's using some form of OKRs or like very public goal setting, extremely transparent and well understood who's working on which projects. And I think the most important part of that is prioritization, though. This gets completely lost in the mud, muck and mire. If you have 73 projects in a quarter, it doesn't matter who did project 72. It doesn't matter how well they did. It's project 72. No one cares. And so being super prioritized and very transparent and public about what is getting done. And then at the end of every quarter, you can give meaningful kudos, let's say, to people who have contributed to those three projects, because those three projects are really moving the needle. And again, I like the golden headsets. We had these golden headsets at a company where you, you know, you, because it's a visual, right? And, and, and those are more comfortable, frankly, to have a headset with a mic on. Um, and then you get that for a quarter. And that's like a funny way that you can, you know, be the, the winner, the most, the most valuable player, whatever. But some people find that horribly embarrassing, in which case, you know, you're just dropping a bit of it like a, well, you can drop it into Slack. But again, it's a newsfeed. And so it's less, less interesting. So I think it's, important to find a way that that information is flagged to higher ups, right? Because even if you don't want accolades, you definitely want your boss's boss to know that you're doing a good job. Um, So finding that channel, which may or may not be Slack, but ensuring that the right people see it. And that for people who need that very visible gold star, that you have ways of doing very visible gold stars, because you can't obviously see it in any other way in, in the office. I love that example too. But to your point, like not everybody's gonna gonna want that. So no. how do you make it personal as well? What about um what about coaching? So as we are um, you know, working through all these projects with all these deliverables and all these different platforms, how can we be a really great coach in this hybrid environment? So I think it's the exact same sets of information. You need to be more ready for asynchronous coaching. Yes, of course, you still have the conversations, probably at the same, if not more frequent cadence. But I think I notice that when I'm mentoring someone or managing someone now, I need to take more notes because I have different, I just have more information going on. I have less visual cues. The visual cues are kind of remain the same. Your, your brain is processing so many things. But if we were to speak again in a month, the only visual cues I have that will change might be like the color of your sweater. Whereas if we did this in an office, it might be a hot day, it might be a cold day, and the next day would be a rainy day. Those are all contributing to the passage of time that I'm dealing with. I'm not really dealing with passage of time in my little gray office. So I like to rely on more asynchronous tools. So, you know, a lot more note taking, uh, a lot more like little check ins, and even a shared document so that you have like a recorded conversation. Are we on the same page? Because again, I'm not getting as much feedback from you from your visual cues your hand gestures, whatever. So making sure that that information is transmitted. I think it also, I mean, I wrote this because I am I feel naturally very empathetic. So I'm always like very attuned to like microaggression. Oh, pass, passive aggressive, that was passive aggressive. People are like, I mean, I guess it might've been, but maybe you're overthinking it. 
I'm always overthinking it, but that's okay. People are different. But I know that I've had managers who were not like that at all. And they were very calm, cool, collected, didn't need that connection. We're very much like you're getting your work done, whatever, onward ho, we don't need to connect. And I think that can also be a problem if you are coach E and you want more. So I think it's really valuable then to, again, it's back to asynchronous, setting up a calendar, being very prosaic. In January, we talk about annual goals. You know, in May, we say, what are you going to do this summer to take some time to really recharge and take some time off? You know, obviously in October, we're looking at planning for next year. What are, how are we going to think about the goals? And then different things you can splice through. And just remember every month, we need to cover this because otherwise you can say, eh, well, we're good. Nothing interesting is happening. There's not much to cover, but there's always something to cover. And if you want to be a good manager and it's not in your inclination to reach out like that, you might miss out on employees who really thrive off that, who really need that sort of moments of connection. Yeah. And I, and I think it's something to your point to build on it. It's for managers who that's not like your inclination, or if they just think their jerk reports are good, like they have a lot of trust for them. They Mm -hmm. tend to like, Oh, they're okay. They don't need my time, but they need your time. Like they want your time. Mm -hmm. They want Mm -hmm. the visibility. They want to run something by you. They just want connection. Yeah. And you hear so much less from your manager in remote work, right? You never sit next to them and hear what their conversation is accidentally from their boss or what's bugging them or what's frustrating for them. So also making sure you don't skip those one-on-one type meetings and just take an opportunity to unload as the coach, but for both parties, unload a little, not unnecessary, but you have to force things out of your mouth because you are trying to give more transparency give more context to explain why you took a decision that maybe doesn't involve this person at all. But let me run through something I'm thinking about with you right now. And let me just get your feedback. Not because I think you're going to have the answer, but because it's good for me to show you my thinking. And you also probably might have some really interesting insights that I may agree or disagree with, but hearing them is always going to provide value. So I think that is something we have to be cognizant of bringing back because you don't get it accidentally anymore. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it feels like it it's all about intentionality. Mhm. Mhm. And more so is needed now and will and will in the future. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think we we have a, a long road to go here on making this really work for everyone. And I think what we were just talking about for the employees, I know there's a spectrum of people and how much they like remote work right? And some people are dying to get back to the office because they really thrive off that connection. Well, what would make that work for them? What, how could you find ways that they would feel more connected? And then obviously for people who thrive off completely remote work and very asynchronous, that might be a little bit easier, but making sure that they felt, feel seen and heard. And it's not just output oriented uh, because you can get really focused on the output uh, without thinking of the things that make you a team. Yeah, absolutely. And what have you seen within the organizations you've worked in as is there a balance of coming together, even if you are fully remote, offsite, whatever it is? Have you seen a, a best practice there? I think we're in a, a bit of an awkward position. Obviously, people are still rightfully uncomfortable, many with travel. And so you, you definitely have um, an issue now because that is disproportionate, right? Some people are happy to travel, some people are not. And so I think there's that one will have to evolve uh, extremely. I think that being said, there's room to do team building in a way that works for hybrid. 
Um, there's room to do more team building. I think we had an issue in the beginning of the pandemic where everyone was doing Zoom drinks or Zoom painting classes, and it's not nice after a day spent on Zoom. But if your work evolves to be more asynchronous, if your work evolves to a place where now you have new colleagues who you didn't have two years ago, we actually do need to find a way to weave those adventures in. And I think one of the things that I've seen work successfully is, is leaning on the things that are naturally digital first. So things that are like sort of gaming experiences um, where you can participate on one screen that's all in front of you. I don't know, like horse racing is a great example. Uh, digital horse racing, not real horses, where there's no reason that that experience is not as fun. I mean, camaraderie is always better in, in person, but you're still all watching the same screen. And so you can have these experiences, um, anything with virtual headsets for companies that have you know deeper pockets, that makes it a lot more interesting. And just finding the things that work and keeping the cadence up in a way that feels useful and not overwhelming. I'd also say the last one is finding ways that are trainings that are fun, but that have that element of if I do this, I'm going to get better. You know, I'm sure you've seen this like public speaking trainings tend to be kind of soul bearing because people get nervous, but a lot of people want to do it even if they're terrified because they know that this is what makes you better at your job. So that's a great and actually, it's, it's a useful skill over Zoom, too. Am I good at speaking over Zoom? It's a great example where people want to do it because it's good for them. But it's also good because now you and I are sharing our fears and we're sort of, you know, walking through this, walking through fire if you're petrified of public speaking. So finding those examples where it is a benefit to benefit to the individual so that they don't feel like I'm giving up this time that I don't really want to spend doing Zoom things. Thanks so much for those examples. So as we conclude our conversation, can you give us one thing you wish people would stop doing and one thing that you wish people would start doing to increase their digital empathy? This is controversial. Okay. I think we should go camera off a little more. Now, Ooh, talk about more. intentionality. Mm -hmm. You cannot do that if that is because you are looking at the other screen typing. That is not how that works. But as we are all well aware, camera technology isn't perfect and is nowhere near the speed at which your eye is taking in information. But audio technology is actually pretty close and particularly in one-to-one -one conversations, this is not so far off from what it would sound like if we were sitting across from each other. And humans are very well capable of hearing so much from each other's voices. You know, what mood you're in, what kind of sleep you got last night, what kind of person you are. And that makes you focus a little bit more and not get distracted. But again, I mean, you said it, intentionality. If you're not being 100% present in that call, then the camera does obviously function as a tool to tell me where your eyeballs are. So it's kind of like a crutch, a band-aid. I don't know, you're like the teacher telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's one thing that I think, you know, it's a little less exhausting. It's, it can be a little more soothing. So it really, it's something I think that we've forgotten how to use. I guess that was kind of the answer to both, right? Yeah. We should stop being so focused on video and start listening more to each other's voices. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you so much for this uh, conversation and sharing your thought leadership with us today. And how can we best connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, a, a newsletter, uh, which you can find at McKennaSwayze.com, which is kind of hard to spell. So I'll spell it M-C-K-E-N-N-A S-W-E-A-Z-E-Y. I mean, that one's always a mouthful. And then obviously my book, which is How to Win Friends and Manage Remotely is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and 
all good booksellers uh, available for pre-order now. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we will link all of those in our show notes. And thank you so much for being with us today. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.